How's it going? Uh, listen, welcome to Kesed. If you're new, uh, my name is Danny. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm going to be sharing with you guys today. Uh, I want to recognize right away, because I'm just going to, we're just an honest church. We're authentic here. I know that most of you were here just for the kids, and you're just going to try to get through what's happening right now. Um, and that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm willing to, to play second fiddle. That's just fine. Um, I do want to highlight uh, for you, though, that, uh, that our pastor, Keith, our children's pastor here, uh, he spent a lot of months with his team on putting that all together, and then he got sick this morning. Yeah, yeah, and so he missed, I think he's probably watching online right now, uh, and uh, he missed the entire thing, and he, he's felt horrible. And then on top of that, you may or may not realize, but uh, last year, Christmas Eve, we got snowed out. So he has missed two Christmas Eves here at Kesed, and so I'm starting a rumor, and... and uh, that, uh, that I'm hoping Keith in return will do a Christmas recital for us next year. Maybe a dance presentation or he could sing a solo. He could do a duet maybe with Chandra or sing a solo all by himself. We don't know, but we'll, we'll, we'll get him involved somehow. But uh, if you see him coming up, make sure and uh, appreciate him because he, he put a lot of time in it. Um, we're in a series right now called Iconic, and that is how we've decided to wrap up this lovely year. Uh, we are talking about this very important topic of iconography. And if you don't know what iconography is, it's basically the pictures that you see inside stained glass windows. So you'll see doves, you'll see mountains, uh, you'll see oceans, you'll see all kinds of pictures that for, for really thousands of years, the church has used to talk about God and his character. And so we started a series talking about these different icons, these different symbols, each week looking at a different aspect of God and his character. And so this week, during this series and this holiday, we are talking about the icon of bells. And so what I want to do is I want to start off by uh, just giving you a little bit of bell history. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, as of a lot of the icons, this entire bell movement that we now accept as Christmas bells was actually originally uh, a pagan celebration. It was a way for people uh, to ward off evil spirits uh, inside their pagan worship festivals. They would use bells. That's what they were originally created for, to create sounds that supposedly scared away evil spirits. Now, I know some of you parents in the room probably relate to that because you've been listening to bells for months, and so you know exactly why evil spirits are fleeing uh, the situation. But uh, what happened is along the way, the church, like it does, uh, saw this practice and began to incorporate bells into its worship and into uh, its services. And so that's what I want to talk about just a little bit. Uh, during the Middle Ages primarily, bells began to play an especially significant role. This is because the church discovered that they were an effective and primary means of communication. Bell ringing was used to announce the arrival of important personages to town and also the start and the end of events. By the 8th century, bells were widely viewed as an essential part of the church. Basically, if you were a church at the time and you didn't have a bell, you probably weren't a very serious church. Bell turrets, or the places that bells are hung, were built within every church of this time, and bells increased in size, and many churches had claim to two or more bells. This is why the etymology, or the origin of the word for clock, is the same as the word for bell. I don't know if you realize that, but the medieval Latin word for bell is clauca, and this is because the ringing of church bells often signaled the time, and communities depended on the bells within their community in order to attend weddings, funerals, or other services at the proper hour. In some cases, even the sequence 
or the tones and ways in which the bells were rang uh, could indicate several details and communicate different things to people even other than just the time. They would, they would determine uh, that it was time to come to church. They would determine when church was over and so forth, especially during the Victorian times when Anglican and Catholic churches started using bells within their worship services. During this time, churches and religious communities often had financial constraints, but bells were such a big deal. But what they discovered is that even if you didn't have enough money, bells could be shrunk down a lot like the ones that our children use inside their worship song. Uh, the Catholic Church specifically uses bells in a very specific way, especially during Christmas and Easter. The only times, I don't know if you knew this, that mass is allowed to be held at midnight, and that's the only times church bells can be rung at midnight, is during the Christmas and Easter mass. Christmas mass is the one, of course, held at midnight. And this mass is really interesting because uh, within that experience, what they are doing is experiencing this darkness that this light has shined upon, but they're doing it not in a way visually, but in a way of actually hearing the sound, if you will, of Jesus's arrival. Uh, this came from a tradition that the church has had for a long time that Jesus was born at midnight, of which there is no verified proof and of which the church often does, which it takes things that, that it has no proof to verify and then turns it into an entire tradition that a bunch of people have to uphold. <laughs> so uh, it's true, folks. It's just true. So, uh, so that's where this whole midnight mass came from. Bells were used to signify the start of the midnight mass to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And so you get the Christ mass, which is where we get the word Christmas from. Mm. So that's why this service doesn't wrap up till 1201, folks. I hope you're excited to be here. It's time for the Holy Spirit to show up, so... <laughs> Bells and bell ringing uh, have since then become an iconic way to symbolize a very important truth that when it comes to responding to Christ, we will always hear the call as we see the light. And that hearing is not just a physical hearing. That is a hearing of our soul ringing with the resonance of his. For generations and generations and generations, people have tried to explain what experiencing the light of Christ is like, the awakening or the enlightenment that comes with realizing there is a God, that he loves you inside your story, that he walks with you where you are, and that he forgives you, that he restores you, and that you are, are the apple of his eye. And often we see that in this, in this sort of perplexing way that, that causes us to feel like we are less uh, symphonic with him as much as we are a cacophony of noise and bells and the ringing of bells and the gathering of sound in this beautiful way is supposed to be a picture of something we can grasp and something that we can resonate with. Christmas is by far the, the biggest season for churches across the land and around the globe, right up there with Easter. And I would even say, uh, depending on our attendance here, we get more people for Christmas than we do for Easter. That's not every church, but that happens to be this one. And I think because there is something that resonates with this message of this child that was born into this world that nobody saw coming who sounded a difference in the ears of humanity for all time. Today, right now though, the truth of it is that your life and mine probably doesn't feel a lot of resonance. 
Your life and mine um, often will find ourselves in a place where we feel out of rhythm and out of harmony. And so we, we do our best to show up at something like a Christmas service like this. And we try to connect. But, but if we're really honest, at the end of the day, there is a lot of areas in my story and yours that are still fairly filled with darkness. And so when we hear sermons about light, which I love, and we do services like this, which I adore, I think sometimes it's really important to pause and recognize that there is a sound of God's presence and it's hard to, to own, it's hard to see, it's hard to explain, but I believe it is forever true. This is why in a lot of these cities throughout time, churches were located at the center of town and it was because of the bells that were rung. They were sat within the tower, within the turret, and they were rung in such a way that they spread out equally into the ears of all those who could hear the sound of the presence, the sound of the worship beginning, the sound of celebration. And it's a proclamation when a bell is, rings like this, a proclamation that says it's here and it's time. And people respond to that, or at least they're supposed to. You may ask, what's here and a time for what? The answer is not a what, but a who. And that person is Jesus. But listen to how he's described in John. It says, in the beginning was the word, the word being Jesus, and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been seen, that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Uh, most of our services during Christmas speak towards the second half of this verse, towards the light that, that is coming. And we're going to do a candlelight service to end today. But before we, we transition into that, I just want to talk about this beginning passage and this idea that Jesus is the word. The word that is spoken. The word that has to be heard from a soul sort of space. Jesus is this word that comes and speaks into the darkness. Again, I see you. I know you. I want you, I forgive you, I love you, you are enough, and you don't have to run. You don't even have to uphold every single tradition. I am here in this space with you. This is and always has been the incredibly gracious, the incredibly loving words of Christ. And they often don't show up to people you think they would to people who are listening really well, to scholars and pastors and people who are incredibly holy that you think might be up on a hill somewhere listening for the sound of God and the word of God. Instead, oftentimes the word of God shows up in dark places and smelly places and difficult places. It shows up to people who are on the outside and not on the inside at all. It says that one such group of people, a group of shepherds, was going about their daily lives, earning their living, working the land with the animals that they provided for, doing what they do every single day, moving them from pasture to pasture, protecting them, helping them give birth, caring for the little ones. These people, because of the dirty work, were excluded. They were not people that, that, that could even get close to the front of, the, of, the, of the, the synagogue. They were not people who could even get close to the ones who would read the scrolls. For they were people who were on the outside and the margin. They were not people who were included. They were people like a lot of us. And it says that one night, 
sitting around their campfires. I like to think on an incredibly starry but black night. It says this happened. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. This is what the sound of hope is like. This is what it, it, it is to hear the arrival of Jesus. It is to, to be pulled in to a space that you aren't prepared for. I think so many people don't follow God because they don't feel prepared to catch the train that they think is him. They're like, well, I haven't packed a bag. Uh, I don't even know where the train station is. And if I'm honest, I don't have enough money for a ticket. And he's kind of big and he's kind of loud. And then I don't even know what I get. Like once I get on the train, like I don't know that culture and I don't know where he's gonna take me. I think the, 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 the better understanding of what it means to experience the presence of Jesus would be this story. That you're sitting there in the midst of your world, that you're available that you recognize kind of that, that, that there's stuff about your life that you wish was different, but you're also honest about who you are, that you're authentic, not perfect, that you're real. Maybe I could even say just a tiny bit spiritually smelly. I think we need more spiritual smelly people. I, th I think this, was, this didn't happen to the last service, so apparently you all stink. So, but... <laughs> I, and, I, and I do too, right? Because I'm, I'm resonating because that's what we're doing today. We're talking about bells. I think we need more people who put on less religion, right? To try to cover up what's really going on in their hearts, which is pride and ego and selfishness. And more people who are just looking up at the sky wondering, God, what are you gonna do with me? Because I think it's those people who are most blown away when the angel of the Lord shows up and says, hey, guess what happened today? I think those people are the ones who are most likely to respond in the beautiful way that these shepherds did. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds immediately said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. I just wanna highlight that it says they immediately went over. I just wanna highlight that it didn't say, you know what we need to do? We need to go home, we need to shower, we need to get our very best shepherd clothes. I know it's not a lot, but we just need to tighten this thing up because we're about to meet the God of the universe. They also didn't apparently say, we need to wait till the other shift of shepherds comes because what's gonna happen to our sheep? They were happy to leave the sheep for the king and they were happy to meet the king as they were. They were willing to go because of the sound that they heard of the Lord's arrival. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. 
And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. I I love this part because anytime you get new believers, new believers don't care who they're telling about God. Like new believers will tell the pastor that just brought them to the Lord about God and all the things he's doing. And that's exactly what happens here. They're like, the Messiah is here. And they find Mary and Joseph. And they're like, you guys, the Messiah's here. He's here. <laughs> it says that they told them, like this angel came. You guys aren't even going to believe this, but this child, that you pull him out of the manger because I'm just telling you, he's like a big deal. And then they left and it says they told everybody else. They became bells. They became actual bells. And I believe they spent their life sharing the message that resonated with them and they did it as they were and they shared it most likely with other people who would listen, which we all know who that is, other people like them. The church leaders kicked them out. The religious people said, you're uneducated and you haven't taken a shower. And they continued to not care because when a choir of angels sings to you, the Messiah is here and then you got to go hold him, you're gonna tell people about that. I think there's a lot of poetry in the Bible. I think we serve a God who loves the art of what he does and who he is. And I've always found it really profound that the first people Mary and Joseph handed the Messiah to weren't their their family that denied them because they went back to Bethlehem for a census. They would have had people who, who were their family from that town. You were supposed to go home to the home of your origin and yet nobody took them in because Mary was pregnant outside of the, the wedlock. And so they were like, no, 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 too unclean, too unclean, too unclean. And it's profound that they were by themselves sitting in that, in that, in that uh, you know, shed, in that barn. And the first people they hand the child, the, 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 you know, the child of God, Jesus, the one who came to save all were to shepherds. And I think that's really, really special because as I said, there's nobody who can handle the lamb of God better than the hands of a shepherd because they knew all about holding baby lambs. They would have been gentle, they would have been knowing, they would have been confident, they would have been honoring. This, I think, is still how Jesus wants his message to be shared. He's not asking you and I to clean up, he's just asking you to come the way he's made you. And some of you in this room, you've been running long enough trying to make your own noise and that's exactly what it is. It's just noise but you were made to be part of something so much grander and you don't have to change anything about you except for your posture before the one who came to bring the sound of his presence into this world. This has been the church's message. For 2000 years, this is what we've been called to do, to share the message like the shepherds as we are, to, to do the best we can to manage our flock, but to know at the end of the day, it's all God's flock. And our job is to show up wherever the angels proclaim and the star points down. If we can do that, then we can actually convene with Jesus himself and share his message like a tolling bell to everyone who hears and everyone who's willing. This is how we all got here today. Did you know uh, this church right here, uh, This church right here, this is our fourth Christmas service that Kessid has had in this building right here. This building's been here though since 1955. There's been a lot of Christmas Eve services held within this building. 
Did you know that the, this building wasn't the first property that First Baptist, who was, who was the church that was here before us, uh, this is not their first property. I think they had five other properties over the last 137 years. That church was founded in 1888, which is a year before Washington became a state. As a matter of fact, uh, that church let us rent from them a baptism because we were, uh, we were the first church that ever was uh, inside Clark College that held services there. And they wouldn't, for some reason, let us do baptisms inside their hall. So, uh, so we rented this church. And at the end of the service, the elders from this church came forward and said, we'd, we'd like for you to have this place. We just feel like there's a process we want to go through with you to give you this, this space that they had been stewarding from the pastors and elders before them and the, and the body of church members before them and so on and so on and so on all the way back to 1888. And when we did the merger for the church, they brought out the original documents that we had to sign and the church was founded in the Oregon Territory. That's a lot of stewardship, folks. That's a lot of Christmas Eve services. Do you know there's two items that still exist from that original church that's been passing down this message, this, this, if you will, spiritual tolling of a bell that Jesus is the king born. Two items. One is this communion chalice. This is the church's original communion chalice passed down from pastor to pastor to pastor for the last almost 137 years. Mm -hmm. I've never drank anything out of it though, not even once. <laughs> I thought about it, but mm. there's one other item, only one other item that carries this much significance that has been around since 1888, and that is its church bell. For 130, almost seven years, it has been proclaiming, it's here and it's time. The neighbors are tripping out right now. That I, some of them been here for 80 years and they're like, what just happened? What just happened? Once again, the bell finds everyone in the exact same place. Same place the shepherds were, the same place the, the church has been ringing bells for, for a thousand years, the same place that this church has been ringing that bell for the last 137 years. And it's a place we can best identify as listening for the light. The question then is how will you respond? Will you receive or reject its message? Is today just another tradition for you? Or is today really about hearing the light of the world, allowing the word to resonate with your heart, to speak to you? to the areas it wants to heal, to the areas it wants you to set down, to the things in your life that are out of tune, to the things in your life that aren't about anybody but you. I know in a service like this, there's people that you feel a, a desire to respond to that. So what I wanna do before we move into our candle lighting tradition is I'm gonna ask everyone to bow their head 
and close their eyes. And if you feel a desire to respond to the word of God, all you have to say is, God, it's me. My soul hears the tolling of your presence. I recognize that this child we've talked about today will grow, will teach, will speak, will love, will heal, and will die upon a cross so that I can have relationship. I recognize that sacrifice restores the essence of my being. It forgives my sins. And so may it speak to me in a way I've never heard before. May this be the beginning of my life song as I listen for the light of the presence of your love. Lord, for others who are caught up in the busyness of this season, for those who follow you, who love you dearly, but who are distracted, may there be a a calling back to the sound of your presence. May there be a sense, God, this Christmas not to miss the message of your child. We are grateful to you. We love you. We lift this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. So speaking of the sound of light, we're going to move into a candlelight tradition. If you've never experienced one of these, they're a beautiful thing. But the idea is that this is the light of God and that as we move from person to person, we share that light with others and it spreads until there is not a soul who doesn't hear of his presence. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you come forward. Do you want to come forward? Yep. Perfect. Sometimes the light of God is a finicky thing. You just got to move slow. You got to move slow. and <laughs> Perfect. And then you guys light whoever you can around you. And then I'll have someone from up here come. Yep. Okay. And then I'm going to move out here. And then uh, I'm going to have some ushers up here. And then we're going to have some folks bring the light up here. And we'll sing together as we experience what the presence of God might feel like in our space.
everybody to stand in this moment as we sing this last song together tonight holding this light oh holy night Chill. 
candle up for all to see as we sing this last part of this song together okay you ready so far
you speak to us, for the way you reveal yourself to us. Thank you for uh, this, this place that we can celebrate your presence in our lives. May we leave here changed. May we leave here loved. We lift this entire celebration up to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Feel free to blow out your candles. And uh, we have people who will collect those in the back as uh, you are leaving. Thanks so much for coming. Remember, no services here tomorrow. According to Aaron, you'll be cold and lonely. Uh, And uh, God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.